The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You could win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Now I face up, I hold up, I reach out to the truth of all our sicknesses, all the whole moment. You've got to give us a Premier League team. Yeah. Um. I just, I don't think Charlotte would handle. Uh, very well being, uh, say, Fiorentina versus Porto. No. Don't I mean, exactly you... see a massive uh, following showing up for that one. I mean, give us Barcelona shit. You can give us anybody else for Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, maybe they would give us, like, Chelsea Club America. I can live with that. But by the way, you know we're going to that match if it happens. Oh, of course we are, and, and 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 I hope you don't wuss out and not and fail to ask Josie a question. Well, dude, I don't know what the hell I asked him about last year. Uh, so, had any good barbecue? Brendan, will you sign my nipple? Hey, bub. <laughs> will you sign me nipples? They're quite large. I'm a large boy. Oh, oh dude. This is taking away from a weird turn. Halftime, nil-nil. Just, just as God intended as we start episode 50 of the all-new sports show, the podcast. Wes, yes. we did it. God. We made it to 50 and we're not dead. No, no, we're not. And thank you, NGSC Sports, for keeping us alive. This podcast is being presented by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We're at NGSC Sports. We never stop. You also might have noticed we have a sponsor on board. Thanks, DraftKings. Thanks. Dude, I'm jacked about DraftKings, man. I was, uh, as you know, Ed, having played my leagues before, I'm a dynamite fantasy football uh, player. Um, Played some fantasy baseball in the past. My God, who wants to go six months having to work a baseball team? But now I can do it apparently in one day at DraftKings. What? Cray. It's Cray. That's what it is. That's It's just bizarre. Um, yeah, I'm all about that because at this point, all I have to do, Ed, is just draft whatever Red Sox players are playing that day. Booyah! Basically. That's, that's, that's the winning formula this year. We might talk about that a little bit later on, give you an early look at how we've seen Major League Baseball so far through about a week and a half of the regular season. 
We, of course, have so much soccer, though, to talk about. USA-Mexico going on right now. Remember the Alamo. Nil-nil at halftime in what has been a eh, kind of crap game. Uh, but w that's okay because we have Europe to keep us warm with the Barclays Premier League, the champions, and a Europa preview. Uh, we'll also be uh, breaking down the U.S. women's roster. Talking about Jurgen Klopp out. Very sad day in Germany. And maybe a UEFA All-Star match? Probably not, but it's Probably cool to think about. Sad days in Germany, Edward. Every day in Germany is a happy day. It's true. We are so happy. We are, we are the happy Germans. We are, we are nothing. Um, we'll also, uh, we're going to do a bit of a different zeitgeist this week. We normally like to throw some stories in the zeitgeist. But today, we're, we're going to change it up a little bit since it's the 50th episode and give you guys something special. But of course, we will be bringing you Watch 4 and So Raw to close out the program. If you want to get in on the funsies, you can of course hit us on Twitter at All New Sport Show or at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. Uh, you can get us on Facebook, All New Sports Show, Instagram, at All New Sports Show, YouTube, The All New Sports Show, email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com, mail us at 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, excuse me, 27804. Wes, let's head to England, where it was another tightening tightening in that mid-top table as as we head into the stretch run. And Liverpool will not die without a fight. Yeah. It's, and Manchester City are making it so easy for them to continue to put up their dukes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's stay down, City. <laughs> stay down. You're ar He's already dead. Oh, this was your scores from this weekend's Premier League action. Swansea won. Everton, 1. Southampton, 2. Hull City, nil. The Saints stay in that fourth place race as well. Sunderland, 1. Crystal Palace, 4. Alan Pardew, manager of the year? Maybe. We're starting to actually hear that, not sarcastically anymore. Tottenham Hotspur. For half a season. <laughs> it's all that matters is half a season. Uh, Tottenham, nil. Aston Villa, one Sherwood back at White Hart Lane. Tactics Timmy, he put it to them that time. West Brom, two. Leicester, three. The Foxes come back and get an important, maybe, maybe Premier League life saving win on the road at the Hawthorns. Always a tough place to get a point. West Ham, one. Stoke, one. And Burnley, nil. Arsenal, one. Sean Dice's men could not come up with a point against Arsenal as the Gunners look to continue their march into second place. On Sunday, it was QPR nil. Chelsea won. Did Cesc Fabregas win City the title for maybe the 10th time this year? How many times, Wes, can, can Chelsea win the title? How many? All that matters is the one that they actually do it. Yes, yes, they, they keep trying to win the title. And then finally, we had the Manchester Derby on Sunday, which featured Man United 4, Man City 2. And I have here, this Sunday's Manchester Derby was the most watched English game ever on U.S. cable television with a peak audience of 1.3 million people. Absolutely stunning numbers, and we'll talk about that game in just a little bit. But Wes, let's start on 
what this year has been, I'd say, the sunny side of Merseyside as we trek to Anvil, Anfield, where an anvil fell on Newcastle as it was Liverpool 2, Newcastle nil. Raheem the Dream Sterling and Little Joe Allen provided all the goals Brendan Rodgers' side needed to amass a crucial three points as they take one step closer to a Champions League space and getting rid of City. Liverpool dominated the proceedings in the first half where Raheem Sterling scored in the ninth minute. Newcastle put up a bit of a fight near the end of the first half. Maybe even kind of should have had a penalty. Maybe some people would feel that, but it was a little dicey. Either way, Newcastle started to show life going into the second half, but Joe Allen put the game out of reach in the 70th minute. Wes, uh, thoughts on Liverpool as they continue their march up the table? Uh, As for the overall match, not... Definitely not Liverpool's best performance of the season. But you know what? A performance looks a whole hell of a lot better when uh, when you come out of there with three points. So no one really complained at the end. Of the day. Yeah, there are always the haters, but no one, you know, no real fans really complaining at the end of the day for that one. Um, Raheem the Dream, as we said, he scores early and then proceeds to miss one of the sitters of the year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, in strictly Torres fashion, yes, yes, we would say, uh, from about four or five yards out, basically has an open goal and pulls it wide. Um, has another one a little later in the half that he probably should have put away that he misses. Um, as for the penalty, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it wasn't malicious, yeah. but they uh, Lovren basically whiffed on his attempt at a clearance and brought down the man to the box. Yeah, and I mean, there's an angle where it sort of looks like maybe he hit it, and then also at that angle, it kind of looks like he actually never really hit the shin or just grazed it, if anything. But no, that was a penalty. Um, Newcastle should have gone to the spot. But you know what? The way the second half of the season is going for Newcastle, yeah, it's almost like Newcastle didn't deserve that penalty, just based on uh, just based on the last two or three months. Um, and, you know, the Premier League has a funny way of working itself out. Uh, Joe Allen getting on the end of one at about the 70th minute puts that one away for Liverpool, and they survive another week. And after that one, Ed, only two more matches at Anfield this year. Um, Probably Liverpool's two toughest tests coming up in a few weeks as they will have Chelsea and Crystal Palace in back-to-back weeks. Everything else for the Reds, they've got to think is winnable. They've got to think they have a good chance of uh, continuing along the path. It's it's going to be interesting, and I think you I think you mentioned a little bit Newcastle deserving. Um, I I might have texted you this. I also might not have. It, my my impressions after watching the first half, Newcastle very easily could have been level one one going into the break. They also could have been down like three nothing. Um, that they it, it took a pretty Herculean effort by their defense by Tim Krul and Net. And also, as you mentioned, Raheem Sterling basically missing an empty netter um, to keep the score even at 1-0 going into the half. Um, 
So I, I think Liverpool asserted themselves well, and I, I think that this is this is one of those matches that, like you said, they, they didn't win pretty the whole game. Uh, the second half, they were kind of fighting for their lives a little bit until Joe Allen put it away. Uh, Mignolet had to come up with a few very crucial saves, uh, including one when I believe uh, Iosi Perez had a very strong shot on goal. But, you know, this is this is what teams have to do at this point of the year. And and as we'll see in a few minutes, uh, some other teams aren't. But I, I I think Liverpool right now, Liverpool and Southampton, both with City's failings, have a shot at getting into the Champions League next year. Um, very much. You know, right now, just turn our attention a little bit more to Man City. City, if you've ever seen the immortal movie uh, Rocky Three, Ed. <laughs> Um, when Mr. T's character Clever Lang is in the in the ring with the venerable uh, legendary champ Apollo Creed, and suddenly you just get that horrible feeling that everything's going wrong for Apollo Creed. He's punch drunk on his feet. He's just taking blow after blow, and it looks like he has no answer. And finally, he takes one shot that. Uh, it puts him down, and crap, I'm on the wrong movie, Ed. I'm talking Rocky IV. Golly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person right they now. They all kind I'm of so, bleed together. They all bleed together. It's fine. I'm so un-American. I'm so un-American, folks, because, of course, I'm talking about uh, Drago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. My, my countrymen hate me right now. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's reset this. Uh, Drago taking on Apollo Creed and just beating him and beating him and beating him. And all of a sudden, you just see that moment where you're like, oh, crap, something really bad's about to happen. And then uh, Drago drops him, and for all intent and purposes, he kills him. Yes. And and that's the end of Apollo Creed. <laughs> um, that is somewhat the look that you're getting right now from Manchester City. And, of course, it's not just on the field. You know, kind of like, uh, like Creed was taken from Drago. Punches were coming from everywhere. Right now, it's there's going to be a massive upheaval of the playing squad next year. Pellegrini could be gone now. Jurgen Klopp's available. You know, uh, they they need more Englishmen in the squad. They need this. They need that. Oh crap! Now we have to go play. It is just it is all going wrong right now for Manchester City. It, it would still be a shock if they did not make the Champions League just because. I think if Liverpool had about three more matches, they would have a really good shot of overtaking them. But I just, uh, even as the most staunch diehard Liverpool fan that you know I am, Ed, I just still believe Liverpool is going to come up a little short of Man City. Um, But I I could almost see Man City fans going into those last two games of the year just being absolutely terrified that an epic collapse is upon them. Well, and I mentioned to you, Southampton actually goes to the Etihad the last week of the season. I mean, could you imagine if Southampton works their way up to being maybe two points back of City and Liverpool is is maybe one or also two points back and, and City's just hanging there for dear life in that last match against Southampton? Can you imagine the collective sphincter tightening that's going to be going on at the Etihad? If they are in that position... If it gets into that position, I think suddenly City are massive underdogs. 
Yeah. Because once again, you've got a bunch of guys who know they're on the way out the door. Hey, what do they owe City at that point? You know, Yaya Toure, if you're going to you know PSG, I mean, at the end of the day, why do you really care if City qualify for the Champions League again? Uh, you know, Pellegrini could know at that point that he's on the way out. You know, I mean, yes, they all want to leave this legacy of, oh, we went to the Champions League. But at the end of the day, I don't really think they're going to give that big a rat's ass. So if they go in there and Liverpool and Southampton have everything in the world to play for and City have squandered that lead, that day everything could be absolutely wide open and it would be amazing. Oh, it'd be so much fun. I hope it happens. Uh, Of course, again, City losing at Old Trafford on the weekend. 4-2 4-2 to two, uh, goals for United by Ashley Young, Marwan Fellaini, Juan Mata, and Chris Smalling. Of course, two of those David Moyes products. We've heard rumblings of him lately maybe coming back to the Premier League. Uh, City's goals coming both on a brace by Sergio Aguero. One in the 8th to start the scoring and one in the 89th to save Manchester City's blushes. Um I, I think, though, we have to give some props to Man United here as much as much as we are loath to us, as much as we hate it. I, we don't want to, but United just thoroughly outplayed City. As much as, as much as City are reeling, United didn't give them a chance to get back off the mat, even, even as City took the early lead. No, you know, and I think I said early, early in this season that, you know, I, I was nervous about Man United – because they were not playing well at all, but they were still getting results. Right. And, you know, I think I said, I just felt it was a matter of time before they found themselves and really started playing some good football. Yeah, they have. They're right now. God, them and Arsenal right now are probably playing the best football in the Premier League. And I know that makes both of us want to vomit in our mouths. Basically. (laughs) But um, the truth is the truth. Uh, You know, Chelsea are somewhat in cruise control mode. I mean, they're just going to cruise home to the title. They know it. Um, But those two are just playing really good football right now. And it's it's going to be a fight down the wire for second spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I, I think much like you said, if – if Liverpool maybe had three or four more matches, they could probably just catch City anyway. I think if there was maybe ten more, I think Chelsea could actually be in a spot of trouble right now. But I think as it is, there's there's it would take it would take something no short of a catastrophe to see Chelsea lose the title. I believe at this point, um, but oh. United and Arsenal are certainly playing their best football here towards the end, um, which is. Kind of the reverse of how it usually is for Arsenal, as they usually start off very strong and then kind of fade into nothing obscurity fourth placeness by the end of the season. But it looks like they're not having that. And I just got to imagine, Wes, what's going to happen when uh, Wenger does not have a paper trophy to win? I'm say, man, uh, for Wenger, I think they should give him about a nice 10 year extension right now. <laughs> yes. Let him buy all the 19 year old Ghanaian and French players he wants to. You know, speaking of Wenger, just. The way it works. Uh, just a just a little bit of seriousness here, uh, with news that Jurgen Klopp is going to be leaving Borussia Dortmund, which is maybe maybe one of the mo- more sad ends to to a to a run that we've had. You know, city city is just falling apart at the seams, and that's we look down on them in spite. I think we look more at Dortmund in a in a sad 
oh, you you could have been great for so much longer, but you just had to sell all your best players. And and we understand because you're a smaller financial club, but it's still really depressing to watch that get dismantled year by year. Um, but the one reason I want to bring it up now is because I know earlier in this Premier League campaign, there was rumors going around that Arson was actually going to be the one to go out and bring, they'd bring in Jurgen Klopp. And now it looks like it might actually be Pellegrini that gets the axe for Klopp. And I find that just fascinating to see how this narrative has flipped in the course of maybe two or three months. Man, I'm going to tell you, that City job, thinking about Jurgen Klopp going to City, the way that team is built right now, they are nothing like a Jurgen Klopp-looking team. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp loves teams that will press you to the edges of the field. Uh, he likes teams that are athletic and hungry and, you know, just want to get after it and play it. Um, yeah, that's obviously not Manchester City right now. <laughs> um, of course, you know, we mentioned it earlier. There, There is massive talk of a big-time squad overhaul over the summer. I just mm, – I, I don't know. I don't know if Jurgen Klopp is going to walk on a walk into the – the grease fire right now that is Man City. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're talking about a guy who, while at Dortmund has, you know, Dortmund has been a very good, consistent place for him to manage. He's had good ownership and good management groups in there who have let him, you know, they let him fail at times so he could come back to succeed. Right. Uh, they, they've they let him build his vision. Man City cannot figure out what the hell they want. Man City want to be Real Madrid. Yeah, and fail miserably. I mean, really, that's what they want to be. They yeah. desperately want to be Real Madrid. They want to go out and buy all these star players. But the thing is, you know, yeah, having a ton of money is great. But there's still, right now, I mean, the – there's no real prestige around USA just scored. Boom! Yes. I don't know who that is. Um, of course you don't. Eight. I bet his name is Trevor. <laughs> I'm not. Um, there's no real prestige around Man City. I mean, there's still more prestige at Man United. There's more prestige at Chelsea. Uh, obviously, Real Madrid. Um you know, Barcelona, even Juventus. I mean, those are just places. Uh, let's take Juventus out. They're not really paying anybody like that. Yeah, it, Italy's falling apart and they have no money. Yeah. I mean, those other clubs we mentioned, they've got just as much money, can pay just as much money as City. And I mean, the infrastructure's there at all of them. You know, they're all now, I mean, you know, we talk about being solid at the coaching. Real Madrid is what it is. But the thing is, at Real Madrid, there's so many freaking superstars. If you can at least finish third with that group, then you might be the worst coach in the world. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, to me, I don't know. Um, it just to me, it seems like if I have my choice of Man City, Barcelona, Madrid, or Chelsea, mm-hmm. Man City is so number four on my list right now. It's not funny. Oh yeah, I mean, I I and think no hate towards City. I mean, I don't have any hate towards City for that, but um, you know, 
the the petrodollars they right. give you clout they give you clout but the thing is if you get guys just based on well I offered them a you know 100,000 pounds more um at a certain time you got to look around at the guys you're bringing in um Samir Nazri right <laughs> like nope. Toure you know, these are guys who are there just because of the money and uh, you know, a mercenary or two won't hurt you, but a team full of mercenaries is not a good look when things start going wrong. No, and I, I think that's the body language, the, the 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 sense of defeat around the club. There's there's no sense of, you know, we we can we can kind of laugh at Tottenham a little bit and how they've struggled in recent weeks, and but th- there seems to be at least some sense of of building a, a community there. And obviously that all starts at the top with Harry Kane being literally one of their own and having that sense of like establishing something. And mm-hmm. and you just do not see that at City. You be, Because you're right. When you just buy the best players, there's, there isn't a sense of unity. And I think to an extent that can be overblown sometimes, especially in America. We tend, I uh-huh. think, sometimes to overvalue, um, you know, the... Yeah, we, we tend to over and and how well guys get along in the clubhouse and all this and all that. But I I think there does need to be at least a little bit of camaraderie and and someone. Also, I don't think City really has a leader right now on the pitch. Uh, that should be Vincent Company, but because he has fallen completely off a cliff uh, ability wise right now. It, it it has to be somebody else. Aguero is hurt too much, and I just don't think he has the leadership gene in him. So so who is it? Is it Frank Lampard? Doesn't get on the pitch enough, and he's he's a Chelsea guy. So it's it it's just really interesting to see the DNA and how when it goes wrong, it turns into a horrifying monster, which is what City is now. Quick side note: uh, number eight is Jordan Morris. Which is the guy we talked about yeah. from Stanford last week? So yeah, Jordan Morris, a very American name. It's a very American name, if I've ever heard one in. But go ahead, you were you were you were going to say something on one of my points. Um, well, in my my deal looking at City, you know, you, you teams ahead of them, around them right now. You know, Liverpool. If things start going wrong at Liverpool, who do they look to? Yeah, they look to Stevie G, but right now, you know, hey, they look to Jordan Henderson. Right. You know, they look, of all people, they look to Mignolet. They look to Martin Skirtle. You know, those are the guys right now, if things are going wrong Liverpool, that's the group you expect to pull them out. Uh, at Chelsea, who have you got? You've got the venerable uh, John Terry for whatever we may think of his personal life and uh, the way he leads his life. John Terry is a fantastic leader. And has been for a decade now. Certainly, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you've got Terry there. Even, I mean, even at Arsenal, you know, you've got that group of guys who have been together for a good while now. Um, and of course, at United, as as much as I don't like him, you know, I mean, you've got Wayne Rooney, who guys they rally around Wayne Rooney. <clears throat> and what's interesting about all of those guys is. They are all playing at a really high level. Right. As you said, the the captain, the man who should be leading Manchester City is Vaughn's company. 
it's not a good look when the guy who's supposed to be your leader and kind of your guide on the journey at the moment is probably your worst player on the team and on the field. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for as much as we personally love Von Song Company, I don't know if it's injuries this year. I don't know if literally everything has caught up with him and he's just – he's peaked and he's on this hurtling hill downward. But something's not right. And when he's your guy that everyone turns to and he, he doesn't have an answer – that doesn't bode well for everyone else. So, you know, I mean, even even at, at Tottenham right now, hey, take Tottenham. You got Harry Kane. Yep. At least there's somebody to rally around. You've got Christian Harrison, you know. They play good footy. You know, um, that whole group at Southampton, who you, it's like you can't even really pull out one player, but, you know, someone like a Morgan Schneiderland, mm-hmm. um, you know, has just been fantastic this year. You know, those are guys that you rally around. City right now, no one's playing well. And there's just – it's like there's a lot of personalities on that team, but they're not – they're not take charge, you know, lead from the front personalities. They're more – if it's not going my way, I'm just going to say fuck it, those kind of personalities. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's – It's it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens – the rest of the season for City and what potential fallout could be. Uh, let's get you a quick look at the table going into this next weekend. Uh, Chelsea, with game in hand, have a seven-point lead over Arsenal. Manchester United are just one point behind the Gunners. And City are now four points back, currently in that Champions League playoff spot. Not even in the Champions League proper, but in the Champions League playoff spot. Liverpool are in fifth, four points out of fourth with 57 points, Southampton with 56, and Tottenham right now with 54 points in 7th place. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, it is going to be a knockout, dragout fight to the very end. Sunderland is in 16th with 29 points, Hull in 17th with 28, QPR and Burnley both have 26, and Leicester has now entered the fray with 25 points in last place, but now within striking distance of trying to get out, if they can just get one win, plus while the game is against Chelsea, they do have a game in hand on the rest of the field. So, so there yeah, is that. That isn't exactly saying a lot. So True. Um, your fixture list for this coming up weekend in the Premier League will be just a little bit lighter than normal. Uh, this Saturday, April 18th, at 10 a.m., you get Crystal Palace versus West Brom. Everton versus Burnley. Leicester at home gets Swansea, where Gary Monk's men have not been great on the road. Stoke versus Southampton. And Chelsea versus Manchester United at 12.30. Easily your match of the weekend. And on Sunday, City versus West Ham. Can Big Sam do some things in his final few matches at West Ham? And then Newcastle, Tottenham at 11. Of course, you also have good old Wembley to look forward to this weekend, Wes. As it's an FA Cup semi-final weekend down at Wembley. And it features Aston Villa, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Reading. Yes, surprise team. Reading has entered the FA Cup semi-final fray. And it will be at, um, I'm going to say... It is noon Saturday and 10 a.m. Sunday. Okay. 
That's that's what we got. So yes, noon Saturday will be uh, Reading versus Arsenal, mm-hmm. and then 10 a.m. Sunday will be Aston Villa Liverpool. The side I'm looking at right now has uh, British Standard Time. So I was trying to quickly do the math in my head to figure out what uh, that meant for I'll Eastern see, The reason I know so well is because they just flashed the graphic up on Fox Sports. <laughs> oh, good for them. So so catch that yeah. on Fox Sports uh, this weekend. But for now, Wes, let's let's turn to the the only tournament that really matters, and I'm not talking about the Guinness Cup. No, no, no. I'm talking about the cup that has its own theme song. Hey. And as we continue, um, Wes, I am talking about the Champions League. The Champions. Oh God! League. Of course. Why wouldn't we? It's amazing. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Here are your quarterfinal results from the first leg matches this week. Uh, we start with Atletico Madrid nil, Real Madrid nil at the Calderon. It was a knockout, dragout fight. I've been saying that a lot tonight. But Madrid, bloody and bruised, keeps the clean sheet at home that they needed to, thanks to quite a few timely, timely saves. But they keep... Cristiano Ronaldo, Gareth Bale and company off the board and will head to the Bernabeu next week scoreless. Also at Turin, it was Juventus 1, Monaco, the plucky principality, nil. Vidal with a penalty strike in the 57th minute from, again, Arturo Vidal was the only score of the match. Also, then today, we had PSG 1, Barcelona Three, Neymar opened the scoring in the 18th minute. Luis Suarez looked to put it in by himself all over with goals in the 67th and 79th minute, nutmegging David Luiz twice before um, there was an own goal for PSG by Jeremy Mathieu um, that got him at least a goal back before heading to Barcelona next week. And also maybe, maybe the biggest shock... Of the knockout stage so far, it's Porto 3, Bayern Munich 1. Quaresma with a brace in the first 10 minutes. A third-minute penalty strike after being uh, after Jackson Martinez uh, was sweeper-kicked by Manuel Neuer. Uh, and then Quaresma did it himself in the 10th minute. Jackson Martinez finished off the scoring in the 65th minute. Uh, Bayern Munich could only get a goal from Thiago Alcantara. Uh, but Wes, so let's let's start in Porto, the home of, of Jose Mourinho and AVB. H- how did this happen? How has it all gone so wrong for Bayern Munich? And do we still think they're going to pull it off when, it, when they head back to the Allianz next week? <coughs> um, first of all, how did it happen? Um, we, we both saw the movie Forrest Gump, right? Yes. Well, I know we remember in Forrest Gump where uh, Forrest is running through the road and a gentleman is talking T-shirts with him and Forrest steps in a big pile of crap. The gentleman points it out to him. Forrest says, uh, well, it happens. He says, what, shit? And Forrest says, yep. (laughs) Of course, that man made a lot of money with his bumper sticker that said, shit happens. Um that that's all I can say. Yeah. Those first two goals, shit happens. 
it was a uh, it was a challenge from Neuer that he thought he had timed perfectly, didn't work out. There's the penalty. Uh, later they just they just lose the ball. They just lose possession defensively. Give up Karezma's second goal, and then later Jackson Martinez takes another bad defensive move. Um, Boateng going up for the header, just whiffs on it. There's Jackson Martinez to go and score an easy goal. Um, I mean, there were three. I, I'm not going to take a thing in the world away from Porta here. Right. But there were three goals that were very abnormal Bayern Munich goals that they give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that center-back duo for Munich might be the best duo in the world, and they just they had a nightmare game. Yeah. Don, Dante's giveaway for that second goal by Quaresma was, was just dreadful. Oh, it was horrible. And those, I mean, those guys are great. Yeah. By the way, I mean, that's a great group they have out there. Um, I think the goal they did get <clears throat> from uh, Tiago was, I mean, it's huge just to get that away goal because that that does cut into things, and we know the explosion and the firepower that Munich have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think literally just because they're Bayern Munich and because now they're going back home and they got that away goal. I just I don't see how you can't at the least give them a 50-50 chance of going through. Obviously, we, they're so loaded, such a strong team. They're running away with the Bundesliga. Do we think maybe they're missing their talisman, Aryan Robin, just a little bit right now? Well, not only Robin. I mean, they're also missing uh, Frank Ribéry. True. I mean, so two of the best wingers in the world are not playing for you right now. <laughs> Um, it is a massive testament to their quality, to their depth, that they have pretty much gone right in without those guys and not skipped the beat. But, you know, guys today like uh, Mario Gutza, uh, Robert Lewandowski, they, they just didn't have good games. Yeah. And those are guys that Munich counts on uh, up front to do a lot of things for them. And they just they kind of stunk today. They just weren't good. And you look at it. Yeah, they lost three to one. I mean, they did get the away goal. They're still going back to the Allianz. I just, I'm, I'm personally not counting out uh, Bayern Munich here by any means. I mean, they go home. And- yeah, certainly. I, I, I feel the well, same. Do you think Munich can go home and win two 0 Oh, absolutely, and that, and of course, because of the away goal rule, that's all they need to do. And certainly, Porto, I think all the pressure is actually on them now. You just beat Bayern Munich 3-1 at home, but now you're going to have to hang on for dear life in Munich. I, I think that's a very tall order, And but if Porto could pull it off, oh my gosh. that, that And, and I, it's not that I don't think they even can. But I just, just with all the firepower Baron has, is there any chance though Munich goes back home and maybe plays that match next Tuesday just a little tight? <clears throat> There's a chance, but what you have on that squad, you have a squad that has a ton of uh, experience in this stage. Um, I mean, you've got guys who obviously have sat there; they've won. A European Cup. They yeah. won Germany multiple times. Uh, they are seen by many as having the best manager in the world. Um, I think of anyone. I think Porto could go in there and maybe play a little tight. Oh, certainly. You would think. You would think maybe they'll go in. You know, well, hey, we got nothing to lose. 
But you do. I mean, you've got a spot in the semifinals, and you've got a two-goal lead at the moment. Um, or, well, truly, with the away goal, you've got a one-goal lead. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of hope they don't go in there. If they go into Bayern and expect just to sit 11 behind the ball, they're not going to go through. Right. I mean, they've got, they've got good players. I mean, Charisma, Jackson Martinez, the two who scored today for them. I mean, they have elite European striking talent. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would expect Porto to go out there and at least see, See, basically, here's the deal. If they can score a goal, oh god, now that changes everything. Oh, that'd be huge. I mean, all they have to do is get literally. If they get a goal, they can go lose three to one. Uh, well, then you know you go to you go to um, extra time at that point. Mm-hmm. But if you go get a goal, you can lose two to one, and you're going through. Yeah. So. Uh, Going and getting a goal for them would definitely be the major, major, major thing to happen out there. Certainly. Uh, the reverse is going to have to happen, though, for PSG as a Zlatan-less France side uh, with Lauren Blanc's men uh, could not muster up much against Barcelona today. Um, just once uh, Thiago Silva went out and David Luiz had to come on for PSG, their defense looked just so much worse. Suarez obviously taking advantage of that with his brace with goals just 13 minutes apart. Uh, PSG does get one back though and as they go back to Camp Nua West, does Zlatan have any hope of advancing in Europe? No. God, I hate that man. Zlatan deserves better. Zlatan deserves better. Yeah, I'm going to tell you dude, he, needs to, he just needs to get the hell out of there. He deserves better than a freaking club that's going to drop 50 million pounds on a sack of crap like David Luiz to play central defense. That was pretty bad. Because of that, I'm sorry, because of that, you deserve to damn lose. Yeah. David Luiz is a joke. All the way up that stupid hair, all the way down to the stupid way he tries to defend. I mean, he got absolutely abused today by Luis Suarez. Abused. I feel like if he any... was Luis Suarez's child. He would have been Suarez would have been arrested. Do you th- do you think Neymar watching that as happy as it was was having like Vietnam era flashbacks to the Germany Brazil match in the World Cup? I don't think Neymar was sitting there trying to figure out how to get a German passport at this time. <laughs> I mean, he knows better. He's like, Psh, man, you know, here I was. I gave everything. I was injured. And this clown's out here, you know, just not understanding exactly what his job is as a central defender. Your job, first and foremost, as a central defender is to defend. And I just, I can't figure out, you know, David Louise, wow, he's a central defender who can score goals. Who the hell wants that? I mean, yeah, it's nice. If they can defend. Yeah. Remember last year, Martin Skirtle scored six goals for Liverpool. You know what else he did? He defended. You know, um, and, they, and they all came from set pieces and him being in the box because of it. Yeah. You know, Louise thinks he's a damn midfielder. But no, your job is to play central defense. Play it. Yeah. Play it, you idiot. Yeah. And he, he screwed him today. He absolutely screwed him. Yeah, his his attempt to go for the ball on Suarez's second goal when Suarez put it between his legs was was laughable. It 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 was it would have been an ole 
if he actually got out of the way. But it was just – it was so bad. I, I don't understand. And I, I understand he had to come on because, again, another Brazilian, uh, Thiago Silva, had to come off with a hamstring injury. But but I, I have to imagine if you're Laurent Blanc, you, you have to have someone better. You, you, have, you, you have to have another substitute who can go out there and, and, and defend. Like I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know he scored against Chelsea. I, I know that, but it's, it's that's not Barcelona. Not, not this Barcelona who right now has a Trinex monster that can score whenever it wants. Well, you were also chasing the game at Chelsea. Yeah. So you can take those risks. You can do that stuff because you, you had nothing to lose. Right. I mean, this is your home match against Barcelona, who right now might be the best team in Europe. Mm-hmm. This is your home match. USA just scored again. Boom. Um, you know, if nothing else, you've got to defend at home. Yes, it's great <laughs> to try to go and win at home, but you don't want to give away that away goal. And they give away three, and he's directly responsible for two. I mean, there's – wow. I mean, it is just – it's disgusting. And he's just about responsible for the third one, I do believe, if I recall. One last but, note. Uh, oh, go ahead. Just terrible. Just terrible. Go ahead. One last note on this uh, this PSG-Barcelona match. As Wes, I believe I can now quote Ian Dark, there's that score again. It's 2-0. Um, is Edinson Cavani maybe the most star-crossed Champions League player we've ever seen? Uh, I think I'm willing to go that far. There have been some screwed-up guys in the Champions League before. <laughs> Um, you know, Cavani, God, big, big move summer signing a year ago for PSG. You know, year one, you're saying, well, you know, he just didn't really gel with Zlatan, you know, Zlatan's team. And he's got to figure out how to play for Well, what's your excuse now? Because Zlatan's not on the field and you're not getting it done. Yeah. It, you know, you're supposed to be the man. You wanted to be the man. Well, here you go. Here's your chance. And you crap the bed on the world stage. Yeah, just just keeps coming up with big miss after big miss when when you feel like world class strikers would take advantage of their opportunities. He's he's just not doing it. Um, let's head to Madrid real quick, Wes, for what was a fight between Atletico and Real. Uh, Mario Mandzukic actually became quite bloodied during the match, and there was claims of biting, but that was quickly uh, squashed aside. Uh, Caravagel uh, was maybe kind of almost bit Madzukic, but he didn't. Both men said they didn't bite, so so we do not have Bitegate, the sequel, on our hands here. Uh, but we do have is a nil-nil draw going back to Real for the second leg next week and give all the plaudits in the world to Jan Oblak, keeper for Atletico Madrid, as he gives Diego Simeon's men a shot when it looked like Real Madrid had every opportunity to break that game open with eight shots on target during the match, Wes. And uh, Atletico, they continue their dominance of Real this year. Six matches against each other head-to-head this season, and Real have yet to walk out with a victory. I believe they have two draws. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's four losses now to Atletico. And I'm going to tell you, man, that's, that is not a uh, – that is not a comforting thought. As next week they host, they you know they bring in they bring in Atletico's, they host them 
in the kind of do or die game now in the Champions League. And it's so scary when you're the home team in that last one. Yeah, yes, you want to be the home team in the last match. But crap, now one away goal can kill you. 1-1 one, one and you're out. Yeah. That's, you've either you you've got to win the match. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You, you've got to win the match after nil nil. So that's how important Oblak was for Atletico on the day. Is is he preserved that nil nil draw with quite a few great saves? And like you said, Wes, now all it takes is a one one draw for them to go on and knock out Real again, which would be just a slim measure of comfort after the, uh, losing to them in the Champions League final last season. Um, want to ask you, uh, Diego Simeon? We mentioned him. Some people comparing him a little bit to Jurgen Klopp today in the way he has built up Atletico, but keeps seeing his players that he builds up being sold off. Do you, do you think we could see a similar thing happen to Simeon in the uh, in the near future? I think Simeon is the uh, I think he's the better pick for uh, Manchester City, if you ask me. Hmm. I think he would be a better candidate than Klopp. Let's, you know, Klopp is just. Nothing against Klopp. He's fantastic, but he is so system-driven. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he, he does not he does not always adapt well when he does not have his type of players. Where, you know, Simeon's going to come in, he's going he's gonna to give you a really combative, almost oh, yeah. old English style. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he's going out for – he's got highly skilled players who can do amazing things with the ball. And that's what he could more be able to get, I think, rather quickly at Manchester City. I think I think Simeon would be the better hire there. Um, yeah, Atletico is interesting because yes, right now they are a premier team in Europe, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has been because of of Simeon's coaching and also because their scouting and their player development is just, it's fantastic. You know, Atletico is developing and then almost supplying the world's best players. Yes. Um, and that's, and that's going to have to be something they, they have to resolve going forward because it was like at Borussia Dortmund, uh, Atletico are basically relying on growing their own young talent. Also, it's kind of happening like that at Southampton in the Premier League, um, where, where they have ended up selling off a lot of players. They just did it last year, and they kept moving up the table. So we'll see if something like that ends up happening at Atletico going forward. Uh, your Europa League update, uh, first leg matches will be played tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this, these will probably already have happened. But we do want to let you know it will be Sevilla versus Zenit, Club Bruges versus Dinapro, Dynamo Kiev versus Fiorentina, and Wolfsburg versus Napoli. Uh, Wes, the U.S. women's national team has named their final 23-woman roster. The roster includes goalkeepers Hope Solo, Ashlyn Harris, and Alyssa Nair. Defenders Christine Rampone, Becky Sauerbrunn, Megan Klingenberg, Klingenberg, excuse me, Allie Krieger, Julie Johnston, Laura Chalupney, Whitney Engen, Kelly O'Hara. Midfielders Lauren Holiday, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, Shannon Box, Morgan Bryan, Tobin Heath, and Heather O'Reilly. And the forwards Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, Sydney LaRue, Kristen Press, and Amy Rodriguez. Uh, the midfield includes Heather O'Reilly, Rapino, and Lloyd, who all have over 100 caps for the U.S. women's national team. Rampone will be going to her fifth World Cup at the age of 39 box is going to her fourth fourth world cup 
Uh, so, Wes, I know we don't usually follow the women's game as much as we do the men's game. Any thoughts on the roster that uh, they have put forth that it will be heading to Canada in a couple months? I mean, it's strong. You know, uh, at, at quite a few positions, they may think they have the best player in the world. Forward. They may have, yeah, they may have as good a front line as the women's game may have ever seen. Now, I'm not calling myself an expert on the women's game, but when you look at uh, Wombach, a, a perfectly in her prime Alex Morgan, and a maybe just starting to break into her prime Sydney LaRue, I mean, buddy, that's that's scary. That is scary for opposing defenses in the world. I mean, are they maybe a women's World Cup version of what Barcelona's throwing up there right now? I was just about to say about all three of them, they're all, they're all different. Yeah. They're all different players. You know, it's not like you're trying to shoehorn two or three players who all do the same thing in the one spot. They all do something a little different. Yeah, Wombach and, very uh, strong in the box. Alex Morgan, just a all-around great player, great speed, great uh, great skill passing. And, of course, Sydney LaRue can just fly. Yeah. You know, they, they all they all bring a different facet to the game. You can put all three of them on the front line if you want. You can play two and bring uh, – I think if you played two, LaRue would probably be your one coming off the bench. Or you bring Wombach off the bench, you know, to give you that physical presence. Um, I think Morgan is probably your out-and-out top striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but those other two give you so many things. And everywhere else, I mean, the one thing the one thing that could come back to bite the United States with that group mm-hmm. is that it's been, it's been a lot of the same names. Yeah. It's been a lot of the same names. And, you know, some of them we thought at the last World Cup, well, you know, this might be the last time we see her, and four years later she's back. (laughs) Um, You know, you've got to keep an eye on wear and tear with that group. Right. Hopefully they will be able to uh, do some some rotation this summer because another thing – Yes, in the World Cup, you're not always looking to build for the next World Cup at the World Cup, but it would be great to be able to get some of these other players some time on the field in the World Cup, some experience, because I, I do believe after this World Cup's over, you are going to see a pretty decent-sized exodus of players from this roster. I agree. I mean, you could you could see Most as many. You know, the, the, the Shannon Box, the um, just throwing a few out, you know, Box, um, Rampone, maybe Wombach. I think so too. Um, yeah, I think Wombach's done uh, after this one. There, there is a very, very, very decorated group that this is probably it for them, and you, you definitely want to start blooding in that new generation as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, you're talking about where the U.S. has the best player in the world. Of course, probably the best goalkeeper in the world, and Hope Solo as well. As long as she can stop, you know, assaulting people, she'll she'll be fine. That's very important. Hope, hope, just for the next couple months, whenever your stupid ass ex NFL husband, you know, just wants to talk shit, just don't punch him, okay? Oh, that's great. Um, Wes, uh, some interesting news came out of Europe this week. Uh, it seems like some people were suggesting that. UEFA might be trying to put together a bit of an all-star game 
which would feature them splitting Europe into a northern and southern region where the uh, Barclays Premier League, the Russian Premier League, and the Bundesliga would be one half, and the uh, southern portion would be La Liga, Lyon, and Serie A. The best players from each of those groups would come together to play in a friendly, or basically what would be an all-star game. Um, now, UEFA has denied reports that came out from Spain that they want to do that, but, I mean, Wes, this... UEFA's in the business to make money, and I'm pretty sure they can make some coin off of this idea. Is it a cool idea? Absolutely. Will it ever come to fruition the way that we would want to see it? Mm. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just I cannot imagine a world where you know, these these football players are so high-priced and so almost coddled as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they teams hate sending their players away on international duty. Right. And now you want to take them and mix them up with other guys who they have never played with before, have no connection to, and you want them to go play a game that's not going to do anything for the club uh, except maybe tear Eden Hazard's ACL, <laughs> oh, gosh. Chelsea. Yes. Or, uh, or you know, Mario Gutza breaks another damn ankle. Um, you know, yeah, I just, I can't see it happening. Well, I, I, was, I can see the match happening. Right. But I can also see it where, you know, you're expecting to see Eden Hazard and you're expecting to see, uh, you know, Mezzodozel and you're expecting to see uh, Frank Ribery. And instead, you're going to get uh, Jason Punchin. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to get, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, James Ward-Prowse. <laughs> and, um, and you're going to get, like, Joe Allen. <laughs> oh, little Joe Allen. <laughs> <laughs> little Joe, little Joe. I mean, I mean, do you really think Brendan Rodgers is going to say, Sturge, go ahead, go play him another damn match. You know what? You know, as long as Roy's not the coach, I don't see why not. Oh yeah. Now, who would coach it? That would be the interesting thing. Who would be the coach? Uh, I would. I I would think maybe they'd have some sort of like they. Well, they what they'd probably do is they'd probably do like maybe the MLB All Star Game and just take the oh, three God. winning coaches. So you'd have you'd have Pep. <laughs> And Josie. <laughs> so you're saying we're going to have Josie. We're going to have, uh, oh, God, what's Pep. that guy's name in Barcelona? Let's, uh, just say, let's just say Ray Owens. You're going to take Josie and Chilotti and then some Russian guy who's going to want to come in and run the show? Wouldn't it be AVB? Isn't Zenit winning the Russian Premier League right now? Oh, my God, that's even better. No, no, no. And then right now you're looking at a team. You're looking at coaching staff of Josie, AVB, and Pep Guardiola. Yes, Yeah, and Guardiola and Josie just enjoy each other's company so much, don't they? Exactly. Why is this not happening, UEFA? Do we want this to happen? Resounding Daniel Bryan, yes. yes, 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 yes. It will never happen the way we want it to. It may happen. It will never happen the way we want it to. Yes. It'll be like watching the MLS All-Stars. 
Uh, which, speaking of, it well, was announced today that, of course, the MLS All-Stars this year will be playing Tottenham in Denver. Alrighty. Who wants to go to Denver? Not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have fun, buddy. Yeah, that's fine. I'm sure maybe one of the guys in Raleigh will go with you. Uh, I, bet there, I bet there's way more reasons to go to Denver, though, right? Am I right? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, last bit of soccer news here. Uh, of course, the Guinness Cup has announced the 10 teams that will be coming to America uh, this year for the next edition of the Guinness Cup. Uh, they will be Manchester United, Club America, Barcelona, the LA Galaxy, the New York Red Bull, Porto, Chelsea, PSG, the San Jose Quakes, and Fiorentina. We'll be bringing you uh, the dates and uh, venues for those after they are announced on a press conference April 28th at 10 a.m. Um, last quick bits here uh, coming from France. We do want to mention that PSG did win the Coup de Ligue final. Uh, against Bastia 4-0. Uh, Zlatan with a brace, 21st-minute penalty, 41st-minute goal. Uh, and Edinson Cavani does score sometimes. He had a brace as well in the 80th and 92nd minutes. And, of course, uh, uh, sorry, PSG is not done. They still have to play Agir on May 30th in the Coup de France final. That will be their second shot at a title. They're, of course, also going for the league and Hopes dwindling in the Champions League. So we will see if they can maybe get a treble. Maybe maybe a treble domestically is, is what PSG will have to settle for this year. Well, Wes, as we transition out of the foot, we do want to mention again that this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports. You can visit them at NGSCSports.com and on the Twitter at NGSC Sports, where at NGSC Sports, we never stop. Wes, uh, the Masters happened this weekend. Did you do your Sunday watching like you said you were going to? I surely did. I got to watch the last uh, 11 holes for the leader group. And it was, as always, marvelous watching the Masters. And uh, Wes, would you like to fill the people in at home who might not have seen uh, who, who won the Masters exactly? It was a young man, a 21-year-old Texan by the name of Jordan Spieth. I believe that name sounds familiar. It, would it would it be because that's who I said was going to win the Masters last week on this very podcast? And it certainly was. And you know what, Ed? I heard that exact argument on the radio today. And considering the fact that the only person who had better odds to win the Masters was Rory McIlroy, basically, Ed, what you just did was predict Chelsea to win the Premier League. No, I picked Man. Great. I picked Man City to win the Premier League because everybody. No, picked but what Man I'm City. saying is. The equivalent of you picking, of you making that pick, was basically like having Chelsea winning the Premier League, where yes, you got it right, and no one was surprised. I was surprised. I don't I'm sorry to have to put a little. Uh, I'm sorry to have to put a little hole in your balloon on this one, Ed. But uh, as I said, as I did here earlier today on the radio, it's kind of like saying, "Who are you picking for the NBA title this year in 1996?" Well, I'm picking Jordan's Bulls. Oh, way to go with that one. Fine. 
Well, then let's talk about since it's not that surprising that Spieth won, although maybe the dominance w- which he showed is is quite su- is a little surprising. Uh, Tiger. Now that can definitely talk about. He was phenomenal. Well, he did tie Tiger Woods' uh, lowest score in Master history at two seventy. That's eighteen under par at Augusta. And of course, Tiger also finished in the top twenty this year, coming back and you know some of the, one of the Twitter people said, uh, this was quite impressive for Tiger, you know, when we considered that about a week ago, we didn't even know if he was going to play, and he ends up finishing in the top 20. Also want to remark, though, Marco Mera kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Uh, Marco Mera, I believe, is 58 years old, and and ended up finishing in the top 30, uh, and had, I, I maybe, I think, one of the most accurate driving averages on, on, on the weekend, just... Just really amazing that Marco Mera is still playing good enough golf to, to can sort of be around at the Masters. Uh, but really, the weekend was Spieth's, Wes. And um, it, is we, we wanted to dub Rory the next one in golf. We, we gave him EA Sports' PGA Tour golf game cover. Is it maybe actually Jordan Spieth, though? God, I hope so, because, you know... Just the fact that Rory is a gigantic, diehard Manchester United fan. Yeah. Don't really wish much well for him. Even though, according to the Men in Blazers, his uh, shirt on Sunday was a preview of the Arsenal away kit next season. Ew. Ew. God, no. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I don't really know who to dub the next one. Basically, here was the deal. Rory was 7-1 to one to win. Spieth was 8-1. to one. Yeah. So they were the two favorites, and they both played well in the tournament. Obviously, Spieth had the tournament tournaments. But you know what? I mean, Rory's already won some uh, some majors. Mm-hmm. That guy can play, man. What what I'm really hoping we see, Ed, is maybe this could finally give us a rivalry, a really legit rivalry that we haven't had in a long time. Everyone tried to make it out like Tiger had rivals. I'm sorry, in his prime, Tiger had no rival. Yeah, Every true. now and then, someone would pop up and win the tournament. But, you know, they wanted to make it Tiger versus Phil. And as much as I love Phil, that was never really a contest. Yeah. Um, you know, they wanted to maybe for a time make it Tiger versus Ernie Els. Ernie just could not hang with Tiger overall. From a tournament to tournament, once in a while, yeah, he'd be great. But he wasn't, he wasn't anywhere near Tiger's level. I would love for the next 10 years for it to be Jordan Spieth versus Rory McIlroy. How awesome would that be to see two young guys get going at such a young age? I mean, it kind of be like Jack and Arnie. Yeah. You know, you pick your side, you pick your favorite one, and you go with them, and they just freaking go at it for the next 10 to 15 years. I think it could be a real rivalry. They're both young. They're both from different countries. Uh, So you get the whole USA versus what I'm sure – What's me? It's, it's USA versus Europe. Yes, and they're going to play each other in the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're you know. I mean, this is everybody always said. Oh, you've got to have another Tiger for golf to be watchable on TV. Well, yes, that is one thing to have one amazing once in a lifetime player. That's one thing. But hey, if you give us a rivalry where we don't know who's going to get the upper hand every other week. Yeah. You know, now you're really getting people in because now you're really stoking that competitive fire. I I think you're right, and I think I think there's also enough other good young talent out there. 
Uh, if Dust Dustin Johnson, who finished tied for sixth, if he comes back from all his struggles, I, I think he can be a good player. Uh, Hunter Mahan, who finished tied for ninth, along with Zach Johnson, those are both mm-hmm. also two two really good young players. I, I think the future actually looks bright for golf as long as people are ready to let go of Tiger and be okay with what you said of, of Spieth versus McElroy being the rivalry. And as long as as long as people are cool with that, I think golf can be actually in a really good place going forward. Well, and you know, you mentioned Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson's a guy who, you know, he brings a little bit of that Hollywood with him. Yeah. I mean, married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter, Paulina Gretzky. You like to mention who, that every time. <laughs> yeah, she's she's quite easy on the eyes. If you know what I mean. I mean, she's wow. I, I was I was actually found myself pulling for him on Sunday just because I wanted to see Paulina post match. Of course you did. Oh, such a Paulina mark. But I mean, I think you know we've made the we've made the argument that baseball is hitting a golden age of pitching. You know, golf, sort of like baseball, in the last fifteen years, fifteen twenty years, is the improvement in the youth development of those sports have been so great, right? Because of you know personalized training and new training methods and just so many things. That, you know, we're coming up on a really rich group of young talent right now. Kids who have come up playing the game have seen Tiger and are not afraid to take a chance to be like Tiger. They they want to go out and be the next Tiger Woods. They all want to be great. And, man, when you've got a bunch of guys who are young, hungry, talented, and want to be great, I don't think you can ask for anything better if you're the PGA at this point. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think that they, they could be set up very nicely, like you said, uh, for a while now. And, and another thing, you know, Tiger, what Tiger did was Tiger made golf cool. Yes. I mean, dude, I'm not going to lie. I was 15, 16 years old when Tiger, you know, was suddenly becoming the man. And I, when I would go play golf every now and then, I went out and bought my sweet Nike hat. that just had my Nike check on it. I didn't do that because I just wanted the hat. I did it. Part of it was because, man, Tiger's wearing it. That's a cool freaking hat. Absolutely. You know, these guys, these young guys especially, they can be rock stars, man. You know, we saw, yeah, we're goofing on Rory's shirt a little bit the other day. I mean, it was a bold color. You know, these guys come in, the ones who have style and personality and can play, Mm -hmm. they're the ones you want to gravitate to. And yeah. that's awesome. I think you got a really good group of guys who have all of those characteristics. You want bold colored shirts. Uh, you got Ricky Fowler, who, who just will basically make your eyes bleed, but can and, play. And I want, I want a bold colored shirt on a handsome man. Oh. I love men, Ed. You, you do. You you do love men. Love men. Uh, other men you love include the Boston Red Sox, who currently sit atop the American League East uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, they are right now at six and three. Uh, Detroit is currently leading the Central, uh, just a half game in front of Kansas City, who just suffered their first loss tonight at the hands of Minnesota. Uh, Oakland is leading the AL West, although that's very tightly compacted. Uh, Atlanta and New York right now ahead in the National League East. Uh, Chicago, a half game up on Cincinnati and the Central in the National League. And Colorado currently leads the NL West. Of course, these are... Far too early standings to look anything into, 
Um, but Wes, we're going to do our darndest to look into them anyway. Um, what has stuck out to you in this first week and a half of Major League Baseball? Um, well, obviously I'm following one team mainly. Yes. And that is the, uh, the Boston Red Sox, the current National League East leaders. What's stuck out to me thus far? Um, a, that well, – let's put it this way. <laughs> in, uh, in three ga- – in, in, in six of their nine games – the pitching's been really good. In three of their nine, it has been not so good, if not bad. And uh, those six, it was good, and they won. Yeah. The Red Sox, the offseason overhaul of that lineup, you know, where they were they were kind of maligned in a few circles. Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval. Sandoval has been off to a good start. He, you know, injuries are going to be the big thing with him. He's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Hanley Ramirez is off to a scorching start. <sighs> Oh, my God. Um, throw into that Mookie Betts, who's off to a scorching start. Yes. Throw into that Dustin Pedroia, who's off to a scorching start. <laughs> um, the Red Sox are crushing the baseball. And that was something that a season ago, that's what held them back. They couldn't hit. Yeah. You know, two of the last three years, the Red Sox finished last in the American League East. Of course, sandwiched in there was a World Series. So suck it, everyone. <laughs> In those two years, they just couldn't hit the damn baseball. Yes. Um, you know, it's like both of those years, they just asked way too much of David Ortiz. And, you know, they asked too much of Ortiz and Pedroia, and those guys couldn't carry it by themselves. The Red Sox were bold. They went out. They made moves. They spent money, which they have money, so you might as well go damn spend it. Shit, your goal is to win a World Series. Go get the players for it. Um, that lineup is revamped. They're crushing the baseball. Oh, and don't look don't look too far behind it because uh, they might have the best outfield in minor league baseball as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, if uh, if they suddenly realize, you know, maybe maybe we need to plug right field a little bit. Maybe maybe Nava doesn't keep it up, or maybe you know we don't like what we're seeing from Victorino. Let's pull up Yon Moncada. Why not? And that's, I don't think Moncada is going to be the answer yet, but let's, oh, well, we've got Rusny Castillo down there. He's good too. Yeah, he's a stud. You know, we still have Jackie Bradley who, you know, we, we still feel he's a major league player. You know, maybe it'll click for him next time up. Um, yeah, they've got Moncada. They've got Devin Marrero. God, they are, you know, they've got Garen Sacchini. They have got bats all through that uh, organization. Of course, Blake Swihart, who they refused to part with for Cole Hamels, um, is one of the best young catching prospects in baseball, a switch-hitting, power-hitting catcher. Yes, please. Yes, yes. It's very good. <laughs> um, so, you know, the Red Sox are set up for the long haul. Then, man, I mean, you look at that lineup right now. You take out Ortiz, Pedroia, maybe Napoli. Yeah, that's a young lineup. Yeah. Um, for the Red Sox, is going to come down to finding some frontline pitching. Uh, I think Porcello is going to be a frontline pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe Buckholtz can be a frontline pitcher. Uh, Miley, eh, I like him as my four. I didn't like him today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, oh, his mother, yeah. Justin Masterson. Uh, Masterson. Masterson is a good, solid pitcher. I wish he was our number five. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish he was our number five, and I would feel fantastic if he was our number five. Absolutely. I also think the bullpen, 
maybe now it gets stabilized a little bit with Koji Uehara back, uh, but I don't really like what I'm seeing out of Alexio Gondo right now. Um, but to, to Zawa, I, I think it's it's really the middle. I think Breslow, Tozawa, and Uehara could still be a very solid seven, eight, nine. Uh, but if if somebody gets in trouble in like the middle, I'm I, I, I'm not a big fan of our middle relief at all. Um, but what what else? What has anything else stuck out at you? I mean, Kansas City getting off to a very hot start uh, again, just suffering their first loss today. I think maybe they were a team some people thought would take a step back after going to the World Series last year, just because of how good everybody else is in the American League. But right now, through at least the first week and a half, they're right back up there at the top. Absolutely. Um, obviously, a long way to go. Nine games in. You know, we're not uh, we're not calling the race. No. Nope. Uh, with two percent of the precincts uh, reporting, I think the Red Sox are off to a really good start, and that's nice with the Red Sox because in the past four or five years, they've had some seasons where they've had some really bad starts. Yes. Yes. I remember the 0-6 not quite so fondly just based on my um, my uh, Facebook throwback that I get every day. <laughs> the last few days has been uh, about four years ago, me bitching about the Red Sox at all times. <laughs> it's like, damn it, seriously, we still can't hit? This sucks. My 10-year-old's hit better than this. Yes. Yeah, good times. Good times. Uh, so we're going to be following baseball as it goes through its long and winding road uh, up to October. Um, that's going to take us to the zeitgeist. And like I said, we're, we're going to do it a little differently today. Um, we are, I thought for our 50th pod. And since, since we talk about soccer so much on the pod, Wes, I felt like we should let our listeners, uh, who are growing apparently by the week, um, fill them in on how, how we kind of fell in love with the sport and, and why we love talking about it so much. So I thought maybe, uh, you could go first. I could go second, and then maybe, just maybe after us, we'll hear uh, some other voices. So, uh, but Wes, why don't, why don't you start us off? Tell us how you fell in love with the beautiful game. Beautiful game. Well, Ed, my first experience of the beautiful game came as a precocious five-year-old <laughs> at the YMCA in Rocky Mount. Oh, boy. Uh, I played my first year, I played my second year, and I vowed to never, ever play this damn devil sport again. <laughs> how dare they make me run constantly. I was a baseball player at that point. <laughs> um, but as for actually getting into it years later, I kind of I, I was listening to a uh, podcast, the Anfield Rap, uh, this past week, and they they've been doing a uh, they do they did a four part series about the 2000 2001 treble winning. Um, Liverpool squad mm-hmm. that won the UEFA Cup, they won the FA Cup, and they won the League Cup. Um, and they kept mentioning a guy, Michael Owen. Michael Owen, of course, was a world star that year, went on to win the Ballon d'Or. Mm-hmm. They said the 1998 World Cup, um, I was – I can't remember what I was. I, I was at my grandma's for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, I might have been sick during the summer or something. I was at my grandma's house. I remember just kind of laying on the couch. You know, she had the basic cable channel. There was nothing else on because I wasn't watching soap operas. I was too old to watch Nickelodeon. And she threw a conniption every time I tried to watch MTV. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, this soccer's on. Whatever, man. I'll watch this. 
And I just happened to see the game where Michael Owen went Michael Owen. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I love the way that the English guy said, Michael Owen breaks into, you know, I just loved hearing him say Michael Owen. Yeah. So that, that was, that was a little seed. Now I will not say that on that day I jumped in and was two feet in, but, um, fast forward a few years and I, I remember watching some of Euro 2004 and Michael Owen was there and there was this, uh, there was this chap by the name of uh, Steven Gerrard, Steven yes. George Gerrard. And Stevie G just kind of ticked every, everything that I liked in a player. Mm-hmm. You know, he was hard nosed. He was a local guy. He was loyal. He was hard nosed. He was an up-and-comer. And at that point, I was kind of starting to – I got soccer a little bit. Uh, mainly, I had, a, I had a friend who um, had played it. And just because of that, I had watched him play some, and he was into it. So, you know, it kind of got me going a little bit into it. Um, I started very much from afar keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that happened to be the season 2004-2005 where Liverpool went on a run, shot the world, and won Europe. <laughs> and, hey, that worked out well for me because suddenly, hey, man, my team, which <laughs> I, I, I call them if somebody says, who's your favorite team? I was like, oh, this team called Liverpool. Okay. Um, and I, I, I just – it was great, man. And just as the years have gone, I just got more and more into it. Um, and that, that's just, that's where it's come from, man. I just, I got more and more into it. And, uh, it, it, it has more or less become what I gravitate toward. And, you know, now I know it always seems as if I'm saying this, I know you're not a big fan of Colin Cowherd, <laughs> but um, you know, I was. I like Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd made a statement a few years ago that he said, "The older you get, the more things you have going on in your life, the more responsibilities that you have, the less time you have to sit down and watch sports." He said, "At that point, you have to start pruning your sports tree, and you have to decide what stays and what goes." And I kind of heard that. I was like, I can understand that. And if you had known me five years ago, um, you know, before I, I was not married, just had my four-year anniversary with my wife, uh, the lovely and talented Tracy. Um, five, six years ago, man, I watched the NFL. I watched college football. I watched some soccer. I watched baseball. I watched college basketball. The NBA still sucked, so I didn't really watch that. Um, but I watched all that stuff because – Hey, you know, I, I had I had free time on my hands, and, and I like watching sports. I love watching sports. Well, nowadays you you know me well now, Ed. Uh, I only watch the NFL when the playoffs start. Yeah. Um, didn't even bother watching the national championship game in college basketball this year. Don't think I watched much of maybe maybe the two Duke Carolina games in the regular season was about all I watched of that. Um, you know, I, I love catching the Red Sox when I can on TV, but trust me, I'm not. I'm no longer sitting down watching the Orioles play the, uh, you know, play the White Sox anymore like I used to. <laughs> uh, I have pruned my sports tree, and soccer, especially European soccer, just I, I fell in love with it. 
And it's to me, it is it is college football on a professional level. Yeah, the yeah. fans are so passionate. Um, the history is there with all these teams. You know, the the stories are there. There's just so much to it. And two, somewhat in life, I'm kind of a contrarian. I just I like doing shit that people look at me sometimes. They're like, "What the hell?" You know, I'm not calling. I'm not a hipster by any means. Um, but I do like being a contrarian at times. And I, I just, I love talking about soccer. I love trying to, you know, bring new people into watching soccer. Um, they constantly get mad at me at work because, uh, <laughs> when the Liverpool matches on during the week, I've got tune in on and I'm listening to it. Uh, and I'll sit there and describe, I'll tell them everything that's going on. And the girl I work with says, I don't care. I'm like, but you will one day. Uh, so that, that's it, man. And, you know, it, it's fun. It's different. I love it. The people are passionate. And that's uh, that's kind of my deal for being passionate about it. Um, I'm kind of similar to you uh, in how I started. I, I played very young growing up and was quite bad at it. Um, I actually believe that if I had stuck with it once, once I finally became a coordinated athlete, I might've been all right. Um, but yeah, baseball was my thing and that's, that's what I gravitated towards. And and I just, I never really got soccer. I I had issues with it. I had issues with offsides. I had issues with it's what I perceived as a lack of goals. I had issues with what I perceived to be a lack of excitement, which now looking back is basically because I didn't understand how the game was played. Um, I, I think the turning point for me was maybe 2009. Uh, I was working in Las Vegas and they had the TVs on and of course being, uh, on, on the three hour West coast time delay that they were showing right as I was getting to work at around 11, 12 o'clock, they were showing the Confederations cup, which I didn't really know what was going on, but the U S had just beaten Spain. And I knew, even even from the periphery, that this was kind of a big deal, uh, and it was it was pretty remarkable. And then I actually watched. I, I think it was about two days later when they played Brazil in the final, and actually got out to a two 0 lead before losing three to two. It was a thrilling match, um, and, and that somehow got me kind of psyched up for soccer. I was like, oh, this is this is actually really cool. I didn't yet follow England. I didn't. I didn't follow the world. I didn't do all that. So it, it just kind of, sort of faded off into the background. I would watch friendlies. I would keep up with USMNT. Got psyched for the 2010 World Cup. Got really pumped. And of course, you know, we had the great moments. We had Rob Green fumbling the ball, and Clint Dempsey scoring against England. A great moment to you. Oh yeah, yes. For one of us, it was a great moment. Um, you stupid expat. Uh, and then, of course, you you had maybe maybe the, the the catalyst for for soccer in this country, goal goal USA against Algeria with Landon Donovan scoring in in the ninety first minute to to put them through into the knockout stage. And I remember I was on my way to a shoot, and I probably shouldn't tell this because this is kind of illegal, but whatever. Uh, I was on my way to a shoot, and and I had my phone on, and this was before Watch ESPN, so all I had was the game updates. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh God, we're going to blow this. We're, we're not even going to be able to get a, a, a win against Algeria. We don't deserve to go on. And it's like 89th minute, 90th minute, 
91st minute. And then all of a sudden, my phone doesn't update for a while, and then it just goes final, and I noticed that the USA had a one beside its name, and I, I started freaking out in the car. And of course, as soon as I got parked, I checked Twitter to find out what happened, and and as soon as that shot shoot, uh, that commercial shoot got done, I sprinted home, turned on the TV, and watched the highlights, and just went crazy. It it, it was just this great moment of of just pure joy that I feel like really, as much as I love college basketball in the tournament, only the World Cup can provide, especially because it's only four years. Um. So that was, that was kind of the catalyst, and that was when I really started following it. Uh, I, I followed the women's national team the next year when they played in the World Cup and how crazy that was. And then I started following the Premier League, and of course, the first year I started following the Premier League, and I already knew I hated Manchester United, obviously. I, I, I had to hate them. New York so, Yankees of soccer. I had to hate them. So as, as I didn't know much, but, but I knew that City winning the title on the final day of the season, as much as we now hate City. And it's not that we hate City, it's just we hate what is going on there. To, to see them win the title like that, I, I knew that this was a big thing. So I kind of lucked out that three straight years, I had three of maybe the most epic soccer moments of all time, uh, especially at least in this country, as you have you have Donovan's goal in 2010, you have Wombach's header against Brazil in 2011, and then you have Aguero's goal in 2012. Um, and by the way, Ian Dark got to call all three of those. So no no small uh, coincidence there that I also got drawn in. And of course, it, it became time where I had to pick a team. And this happened before before the city championship win. But I said, who am I going to follow? I, I need to follow. If I'm going to start learning more, I need to follow a team in England. Who am I going to follow? Because I don't care about MLS. It's, I've heard it's not very good, so I'm not going to follow it. Clint Dempsey plays for Tottenham. That's who I'm going to pull for. Oh, they've got this guy named Gareth Bale? Oh, he looks pretty good too. Okay, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll pull for this team. So that's that's how they, the, that I chose them. And it's it's been a crazy ride. You know, Every year I feel like I'm learning more about the sport. Every game I feel like I'm more, more about, learning more about the sport. Um, Bale left, Dempsey left, but I'm still a Tottenham supporter. Uh, and as far as I can tell, I'm going to be one until my last day on this earth because that's that's my club, and and I don't know if they're ever going to win a title. Um, I know there's moments where I can get absolutely so friggin' pissed off at them, but there, then there's the moments where they just pick you back up. Harry Kane this year has been an absolute revelation, and, and to watch him come up and to feel like even though I've only been cheering for this team for maybe like three or four years. To feel like I can say, yeah, he's one of our own, and to really mean it is is it's so phenomenal. I think Wes, you touched on it a little bit the sense of community you get when you when you pull for a soccer team, mm -hmm. um, getting getting to wa go watch matches in Raleigh with uh, North Carolina Spurs, and, and getting I, I I still remember it was the second uh, North London derby this year going to. At 7.30 in the morning, I have to leave my house at 6.30 on a Saturday after working all week. And I go, God, do I really want to go? You know what? No, it's the North London Derby. I, Absolutely I, I want to go. I need to go. This, this, this has to be done. If for no other match, 
it has to be done for the North London Derby. So I went, and there was maybe about 40 people there at um, at Trolley Irish Pub where we were watching it. And and to watch as as, as Harry Kane basically brought us back from the depths, I, the, the, the sheer joy in that place was unbelievable. And that's that's what it's about. And and that's if if there was ever a doubt in my mind that soccer is is a sport that I need to keep following forever, that that moment was it. That moment with them watching that man score those goals in that match was unrivaled. And I I hope someday, you know, I I I would love my night in Istanbul. I would love to see that for Spurs. I know they've had European success, but I I haven't gotten to see it yet. Um, so I, I would love to have that moment still. Um, but, and then seeing, so I'm a USMNT fan. I love them. I love the world cup and I love Tottenham and, you know, I'm still a big baseball fan. Yeah. I'll keep up with the NBA, keep up with college basketball, but that's it, man. And, and soccer, it's just so nice. We've talked about on this podcast. We've talked about on our show. Hell it's a once a week thing, maybe twice a week. In, in the crazy season. But that's it. It's once a week. You follow. And I'll tell you, you know, another great thing, you know, another another cowherdism, sorry here. <laughs> you know, cowherd has also said, you know, when, when you watch soccer, it's two hours. It's yeah. a two-hour block. Yeah. It's not, you know, <laughs> as much as we love the Red Sox. Oof. Red Sox-Yankees games, you, you literally feel yourself age. <laughs> Even even when you think even when they have a chance to keep it under three hours, oh Chase Headley hit a home run. Let's play ten more innings. Exactly. Let's play another game. Um, you know, even college football, which is, I think is the other sport that both of us share so much that we love. Yes. I think for you and I, our, our big three are soccer, baseball, and football, and college football. Yes, college football. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely our big three. The NFL's like eh, okay, it's there. Thank you for the stories that you give us on a weekly basis. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and thank you for the playoffs, which are usually awesome. Um, but even college football now with the replay rule, sweet, good luck getting through with the replay rule and the fact that everybody throws the ball 60 times a game now. Yeah. Good luck getting through an East Carolina game in under three hours. <laughs> it's not happening. It's Where not. I can sit down, I can I can tell my wife at 10 o'clock on, on Saturday morning, well, oh my God, how long is this going to take? I need you to do this, this, and this. I will be out of here by 12 o'clock. <laughs> well, how do you know? I can guarantee you I will be out of here by 12 o'clock. And I have no worries that I will be out of there by 12 o'clock. <laughs> because it's going to end in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and that's the other great thing about it. You know, we're, we're all very busy nowadays, and soccer is a sport that fits perfectly into our busy lifestyles. They play it once a week. Hell, they play it in the morning. Yes. That's another great thing. They play it in the morning, which leaves you the entire afternoon to do your yard work or take trash out to the dump or, you know, go out and do whatever you've got to do. Yeah. I mean, I've made sure that my baseball practices this spring were afternoons on Saturdays. <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> Just so I can make sure I saw my Premier League matches. I, I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, it – if if you're one of those people who likes to fast forward to the end to hear the wrestling portion, I hope you I hope you've listened to this. Those are just my fans, Ed. And uh, and maybe maybe you'll dip your toe into the the beautiful game. Um, start slow, you know. 
don't worry about following the Champions League yet, even though the Champions League is amazing. Uh, don't don't worry about what the FA Cup is. Um, go follow an MLS team. There's nothing wrong at this point with following an MLS team, especially now that they're starting to get people who are, you know, maybe still a, and not maybe not the the prime of their careers, but certainly they're not Pele coming over here when he's 45. Um, decent players are now coming over here to continue their careers in MLS. And with the, the homegrown talent that is starting to occur, MLS is no longer a bad option, especially if you want to start out as a soccer fan. Uh, I would suggest then moving on once you are comfortable and maybe taking on a Premier League team or even a La Liga team or Bundesliga team. But if you want to start an MLS, there is absolutely nothing wrong at this point with it. Um, so, so, so pick a team. Know that at the end of the day, the club will probably pick you instead of you picking it. I, I, I would love to think that I picked Tottenham. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, being a Red Sox fan, you know, even, even with the, the recent run of success, to a certain extent, I, they, they, are, they are kind of a team I need to pull for being a Red Sox fan. I know, I know the John Henry group owns Liverpool. And that just happened to work out nicely for me. Yeah. But that was actually about five, six years after I started pulling for Liverpools. Oh, absolutely. Um, but th- there's, you know, there's something, you know, about being Spursy, uh, where we can we can turn two goal leads into three two losses. Uh, but it's 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 very, it's, it's very close to being Clemsony. Yeah, but we did it first. Uh, Clemson wishes they could be Tottenham. Um, I. It's just, just, just enjoy it. You know, it's it's a great sense of community. It, it'll help you, you know, meet new people if that's your thing. I'm very awkward about meeting new people. Wes can probably attest to that, having met me. Um, and you have not become tight for literally a full football season. Yes. The yes. only time we really spoke was uh, on the actual broadcast. Yeah. And and now now we do a podcast, so it's it's this is this is what soccer does. And, we in a hotel room. Maybe. Okay, yeah, let's move on. Hopefully, we'll be getting one in Charlotte this summer. Um, but lastly, uh, maybe semi regularly, we'll be bringing in guest voices to tell about how they fell in love with soccer. Uh, and we actually have one this week, uh, Chuck Givens, who is I would say maybe the the head commander of the Raleigh Bureau of NC Spurs, um, and just an all-around great guy. He has also started his own podcast, which you should listen to after you finish listening to this one. Absolutely. So go listen to it. It's called Comfortably Tottenham. Uh, You can go find that on a variety of outlets. But uh, he had this to say about how he fell in love with soccer. So I first got into soccer... Uh, or football, as they like to say, um, probably around the 2006 World Cup in Germany, and just kind of s- finally just giving myself a chance to sit down and, and watch. Um, I really had not watched a World Cup uh, before then because you know because of the time differential and all these things. So this one, the World Cup in Germany, was the first chance that I got to see world class stars on ESPN in somewhat prime time for the most part. And just soccer on 24 hours a day, it seemed. That was really interesting. And I just saw everybody go absolutely nuts. And I wanted to know why. 
you know, I wanted to, I was like, I want to get into that. So I started doing a little bit of research and, and, you know, wanted to find a team to follow. That's why I follow the mighty Tottenham Hotspur, of course. Um, so it started in 05, 06 for me. Um, so that, that's where my, my original love of the sport kind of came from was watching the passion and the fanfare and just the, the, just the raw talent that so many of those players had in, uh, in 06. A little disappointing that uh, you know the, the final was kind of lackluster in a way, but still a really, really good group games, a lot of great goals, and I'm just going, oh my gosh, why am I not a part of this, you know, why, why am I not a part of this, this craziness, this, this passionate fan base uh, of just the sport? People love it so much, and you could see it in the, in the stadium. You could see it in every game. You know, from the smallest countries to the biggest countries, they all love the sport equally. Um, and it just looked like so much fun. And, and I wanted to, to join in on that fun. So that's where my love of, uh, of soccer came from. So thanks, Chuck, for that. Uh, that was great. And again, if you want to become a Tottenham supporter, we can always use more. Go visit uh, NC Spurs on Facebook. Uh, and then you'll also see links to uh, the Comfortably Tottenham podcast, which you should definitely listen to. Again, after you listen to this one, do not stop listening to this podcast. Because if you do, Wes, you'll miss the segment we like to call Watch 4. Where so I, I get, can do that in a minute, but first, I guess I need to plug my own people here. Okay. We're hearing all this great stuff about the NC Spurs. I forget, folks, LFC Raleigh becoming fast becoming one of the top yes. Liverpool fan groups in the United States of America. Head on down on match day to the London Bridge Pub. My good friend Ken Kendra, president of LFC Raleigh, definitely be there to greet you. Uh, Ed, you have you and I have taken in a match together at LFC uh, with LFC Raleigh we up did. at the uh, London Bridge uh, on the day a season ago where they defeated the nefarious Man United. It was a good day. I, so, I believe Gerard had three penalty attempts made too. Made two. It was on the hat trick, missed one. <laughs> um, but yeah, go check them out. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll get your friend on here and tell how he uh, fell in love with soccer and how he fell in love with Liverpool. Uh, but you, we'll be we'll be doing these semi-regularly from now on. Not not going to promise it every week. But uh, when we can get people in and, and, uh, and they'll tell us about how they fell in love or great memories that they have, we'll be, we'll be sure to bring those to you. Uh, so Wes, now... What are you watching in the week that was and the week that will be? Uh, at the current moment, I'm watching uh, Aaron Hernandez be convicted of murder. Yeah, good thing we didn't have to do a dumb NFL story of the week, eh? <laughs> what would we have done? <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, seriously, there are probably many more options to go along with this. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, all the watch for See, here's my problem on the watch for at the moment. All my shows are just about over. Oh, yeah. Are, are, did, you, did you watch Justified? I did not. I justified as one of those. I didn't get on it season one or two, so that's why I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole series. Gotcha. Because I want to because I like the people who are in Justified. Yes. I'm a big uh, big Oliphant fan. Yes. Um, and, th- and that's going to be really good. I heard that was really good. Uh, I guess the big one for me this week, uh, the s- <clears throat> season finale of Sirens, a show I've talked about before, mm-hmm. comes on the USA Network. Uh, it's a spinoff, actually, of a British show, apparently. Oh. Um, sure. Uh, follows uh, three uh, EMTs uh, through their adventures through Chicago. 
Um, got some nice crude sexual humor in it, which I always enjoy. As you know, I'm a big fan of the crude sexual humor. I know you are. Um, and uh, it, it was a, a, a good fitting season finale where one of the characters who reminds me of uh, a guy that I work with um, finally moves out of his parents' house at about age 27. <laughs> It's the guy I work with still has not done yet. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. Um, if you're listening, Kevin, you know, I love you, buddy. Uh, and, and go get me a drink out of the fridge. But um, good show, good solid show. That was season two of that, so I'm looking forward to season three. Um, other than that, man, it's uh, it's going to be it looks like it's gonna be a summer of WWE Network and Netflix, man. Well, we'll be looking forward to what you'll be checking out on Netflix. And for my watch for the week, I hope maybe you'll check out this series. Because uh, I, I actually think you'll like this one. It's uh, Daredevil, which just came out on Netflix uh, just a couple weeks ago. Just to, just get straight, no Ben Affleck, right? No, this one does not have Ben Affleck. This one has yeah, Charlie yeah. Cox. I might want to. And I know, I know you're a fan of the men named Charlie. I do enjoy a good Charlie. There you go. So this is this is uh, how familiar are you with the uh, the Marvel movies, Wes? Which ones are those again? Uh, that would be yeah, Avengers, Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America. Uh, saw the first Captain America. Or, saw the two first two Iron Man. Saw the Avengers. I mean, I'm I'm down. I'm down. I'll put it that way. I'm I'm open to uh, I'm open to listening. Well, this is in that universe. Um, it's a 13 episode series for season one right now. Uh, I I do believe with the reviews they've been getting, there will be a season two. Um, but just oh my god, much darker than anything Marvel has ever done so far on TV or in movies. Uh, we we are talking some rather gory scenes that I imagine you you would be right at home with uh, with your your beloved Sons of Anarchy. <sighs> Uh, I'm talking. I, I hate to spoil it because it's it's kind of a shocker. But let's let's just say in one episode, towards the end, uh, a gentleman has his head bashed in with a door, okay. with a car door, to the point that by at the end of the bashing, he no longer has a head. Ooh, I was just gonna say. Now, if we're talking Sons of Anarchy, there was a guy who in a prison fight. Was uh, was taken out with a lead pipe to the head. So now we're talking Carter. We are talking up my alley of uh, of violence here. So Ed, you have piqued my interest, and you say this is on the Netflix, which uh, definitely takes my interest to another level. Oh yeah, all thirteen episodes are there right now for you to stream. I am through episode, I believe, nine right now. Vincent D'Onofrio gives a very great performance of uh, Wilson Fisk, who will become uh, kingpin down the line. Charlie Cox is great as Daredevil. And Wes, I think the thing I love about most, and I know I noticed quite a few reviewers have said the same thing, is he's, he's not Captain America. He is not Iron Man. He's not Thor. Uh, when you see the fight sequences, and there are some gorgeous fight sequences in this show, the thing you notice most is they pan on him long enough to show that he gets winded. He gets tired. He gets hurt. Um, he is not a superhero in the traditional sense of the world. Uh, how familiar are you with, I guess, the character of Daredevil and what he can do? 
not much. Like I said, remember that Ben Affleck played him, and at that point, I kind of lost respect for any of it. So. Um, well, just to catch you up, he's a he's he due to an accident uh, early on in life. He actually became blind, uh, but he has very good uh, other senses, and he uses those senses to basically fight crime. Uh, he's a crime fighter at night, and he's a lawyer during the day. Uh, but I, t- I West, some of these, some of these fight qu- sequences are just absolutely beautiful. They, there, there is one. If you watch it, it's in episode two, uh, and this isn't a spoiler. So just there, there is a hallway fight sequence that lasts about maybe three or four minutes. Uh, it's all in one shot, and it is amazing. It is av- that was that was maybe the moment I was on board from the beginning from the jump. When that moment happened, I was like, nope, we're good. You can, you, you are good the rest of the way. You know exactly what you want to do in this show. Um, so I would suggest to you, whenever you get the chance, uh, definitely check out Daredevil. It is very, very good. Sounds like a plan, man. Um, so now we go from one man getting his head blown off by a car door to people... Using ladders to fight. And Chris sure. Benoit. It's so raw. Wes, what's going on in the world of the WWE this week? Excuse me as I get out my industrial-sized uh, jar of uh, Vaseline so I don't get just too raw in this because we are going to get pretty daggone raw. Fantastic. Uh, we'll start off with a quick recap of this Monday night's Raw uh, the WWE are on their uh, European tour at the moment. Uh-oh. So they were coming to us from London on Monday, which means it was not live Monday Night Raw because that would have made it about 3 a.m. in London. <laughs> uh, and they weren't going to do that. So it was a tape Raw from earlier in the day, but it was a good one nonetheless. Uh, the English crowds are always very good, raucous, uh, very intelligent wrestling crowds. Um, no, that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it was a really fun show to watch. Uh, a couple of the highlights of the night. Um, Roman Reigns looks like he's going to have a showdown with the big show at Extreme Rules, which comes up in about a week and a half, uh, April 26th, the next pay-per-view Extreme Rules. Um, highlight of their late fight. For whatever reason, WWE feels like when they go to England and they're on TV, they need to prove to everyone that they're in England. <laughs> so they put out like an English um, call box, of course. which we call a phone booth. Okay. And uh, then they always put out like an English taxi cab out there for whatever reason. Sure. And um, Roman Reigns got choke slammed on top of that. Oof. And it was actually pretty freaking cool. It had a really nice effect to it. Um, so that was quite lovely. Uh, we had a, uh, a swerve in the women's match where Naomi, who has been a long time, uh, baby face, uh, one of the very, you know, a really happy go lucky kind of gal. She attacked the hometown girl page and said she was sick of getting run over and we were going to see a new Naomi. Ooh. It's going to be very cool because she's, um, she's a really, really good, really talented, uh, performer. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, our main event at Extreme Rules, uh, I believe we said last week, going to be my beloved Seth Rollins 
taking on Randy Orton. Of course, you now enjoy Randy Orton because of the RKO out of nowhere vines. He's a fucking snake. He, he is a snake. He, he acts like a snake. It's pretty cool. Um, two matches. Randy Orton in his match, if he won, he got to decide a stipulation for the match. Likewise for Seth Rollins, if he won his match, he got to decide a stipulation. Uh, Randy Orton took care of business in his. Well, Rollins was scheduled to face Dolph Ziggler, who is a very fun, very good competitor. And he was like, wait a minute. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm the corporate champion here. You're supposed to be helping me out. So he suggests that one of his security members, um, Jamie Noble from J&J Security, that he should get to wrestle Jamie and Jamie should just lay down for him. And Jamie says, well, wait a minute, I didn't put you in this. How about we make Kane do it? Director of Operations Kane. Um, so Kane reluctantly agrees to have to wrestle Seth Rollins. And as he has kind of a moral dilemma over should I lay down for Seth Rollins or not, he decides he is not going to lay down for Seth Rollins. And to the dismay of Seth Rollins, he then proceeds to choke slam Seth. Oof. No, it. That's not good. No. That's not good. That would be somewhat as if uh, maybe we were doing the all-new sports show one Sunday, and you said, uh, Producer Dez, um, look, I said something stupid. I'm going to need you to take the blame for it. Producer Dez decides I'm not taking the blame, and then choke slams you through a table. That'd be good television, though. That would be great television. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, Kane then looks as if he's going to go for the pin on Rollins. Thinks better of it because Kane wants to keep his job. Don't we all want to keep our jobs? Kane does eventually lay down, pulls a uh, knocked out Seth Rollins on top of him. One, two, three. Rollins gets his victory. Uh, as the cap of the show, uh, Randy Orton came out. Seth Rollins came out, and they both named what their stipulation for the match would be. Seth Rollins said that uh, he was going to take away Randy Orton's greatest weapon, which is the RKO, out of nowhere. So in the match, uh, Randy Orton will be immediately disqualified if he uses his RKO finisher. Well, knowing that Seth Rollins' greatest weapon was outside interference, uh, Randy Orton decided that the match would take place Inside of a steel cage. Of course it would. So we're getting a steel cage match at Extreme Rules, which is cool. So I'm kind of digging that, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, in other John Cena-related news, since we don't like talking much about John Cena, he's kind of the Manchester United of wrestling. Uh, John Cena and Rusev will face off in a Russian chain match. Are these the only two that can face each other? Like, is it? Can it only be Cena versus Rusev? Well, no, that's, this is the uh, WrestleMania rematch that Rusev does get a title rematch. Uh, you know, being the champion and losing, he does get a rematch. Okay. Uh, Cena has actually been, I'm going to give Cena a little props here. Cena has, uh, each night on Raw and SmackDown, has had an open challenge for his United States title, which has actually led to some really good matches with some guys who, you know, most people like but usually are not, they're just not in the main event at the moment. Guys like, you know, my beloved Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of your guys, Bad News Barrett. Oh, bad News. Uh, you know, and Bad News Barrett, here in England this past week, it was Bad News Barrett and John Cena. They had a phenomenal match. 
So actually, John Cena has made it fun because we're getting fresh new matches that we haven't ever seen. So that is pretty cool. But here Rusev comes out, attacks uh, John Cena. They will face off, and it will be a Russian chain match. What is a Russian chain match, you ask? Nobody really knows. (laughs) But I guess we'll find out, hopefully. Would be swell of them to tell us what they mean by that. Script writers, get on it. Uh, and just to end up this week's uh, edition of So Raw, um, a Bleacher Report article, an interview with, of all people, Rob Gronkowski. Sure. And Gronk has said that one day he wouldn't mind joining the WWE. Wes, I believe you found our dumb NFL story of the week. And there's nothing dumb about that. Well, what he went on to say was uh, a good friend of his is an NXT uh, performer by the name of Mojo Rawley. Uh, Mojo Rawley was a is a former University of Maryland football player. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Gronk's brother played at the University of Maryland. So that's how they got to know each other. They're good friends. And, um, you know, he's hoping that someday Mojo Rawley will get up to the WWE main roster, get on Raw. He said he would love to make an appearance on Raw one day. Of course, with Gronk, if he gets a taste, Gronk will want to be a full-time wrestler. <laughs> now, Ed, can you just imagine the total awesomeness of Gronk in the WWE? Sure. This could be magical. magical. Well, we will see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but for now, that is going to just about do it here for the 50th episode of the all-new sports of the podcast uh for longtime viewers no no there was no episode zero don't you can't prove it there there never was an episode zero this is the 50th episode so shh long-time viewers there was there was assault yeah never forget assault Oh, I gotta love assault. Um, of course, you can find us on a variety of social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at All New Sports Show. Wes, you are at Wes Bradshaw twenty one. I am at Edward Green. You can, of course, also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Email us or just plain old mail us your letters and parcels. You can also find us on Periscope. Find me on Periscope, rather, at Edward Green. Uh, You can also find us, of course, this podcast has a variety of homes, and we love the many listeners on all of them, including... God, let me see if I can do this, because there are a lot now. Uh, Spreaker, the TuneIn radio app on your on your mobile devices, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, um, the iTunes Music Store, if you're listening to us through the podcast app, um, podbean.com, or just at the NGSC website. Uh, thank you to all of those uh, for hosting us and giving us a chance to shine. Uh, Wes, just real quick to break, I guess, maybe kayfabe for a moment. Uh, I shared with you our numbers for our last month. Um to say I was floored and and, and humbled beyond belief um, by by the amount of people that are listening to this podcast uh, is 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 insane and and from the bottom of my heart, truly, thank you to each and every one of you who listens to us yap every week. Um, like I, I say it every podcast, and I mean it, but I doubly mean it this week. We would not do this if it weren't for you guys. Folks, we started this podcast thinking it would be our moms listening. Mine would tune out after week two, and maybe Nick Petrovich would listen once in a while from Toledo. And now now we are building an empire. 
Now, now we are building to go bring down the ESPN Spiral Kingdom. And there's only one thing to say. What's that? Prestige Worldwide. Oh, love it. Uh, it sounds like something Tom Haverford would say. Um, but for right now, that is going to do it. Uh, ch- again, check us out on NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We're at NGSC Sports. We never stop. So thanks again to producer Desmond McManus, my colleague Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Wes, before we get out of here, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Thank you, DraftKings.com. Yeah, thanks, DraftKings. We hope to do more work with you in the future. Uh, we'll maybe we'll see you again on episode 51 of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. This has been our 50th, though, and what a magical one it has been. Thank you all, and enjoy your FA Cup weekend. Good night, everybody. Good night, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan, you say? I love the Russian block. Oh, it's there's there's a lot of stands out there. I love the block. I, I wonder if I wonder if maybe they just shouldn't all drop the is is stands like Kazakh and just become like Uzb and Pak. Never forget the greatest stand.